Hello, everyone. Thanks again for joining us on Order Up, the podcast from the National Restaurant Association. I'm your host, Carly McBride. As always, don't forget to subscribe to Order Up on Apple, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss an episode. For today's discussion, I'm speaking with Chef Erica Barrett. Erica joins us to share her restaurant and entrepreneurial journey from catching the entrepreneurship bug as a child and appearing on Shark Tank. She speaks about the development of Doughboy Pizza and how she built the entire business from the ground up through connections at the National Restaurant Association show. So stay tuned for more details on Erica's business path, how she tackled various challenges, built a strong team, and also the mentors who've helped her reach success along the way. So Erica, it's such a pleasure to have you here with us today, and thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. So let's get started. So Erica, thank you so much for taking some time to join us today. Can you start us off by taking a quick moment to introduce yourself and tell us a bit more about your background? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Chef Erica Barrett. I am the owner of Soku Hospitality and Doughboy Pizza Corporation. So kind of do a lot there. They're two separate entities now. I was a home cook turned chef, you know, through my career over the past 14 years in food and now have several restaurants and a lot of pizza shops that are opening nationwide. My background in food, I started cooking when I was nine years old. My grandmother was my cafeteria lady. She catered for a lot of events and taught me the basics of cooking. My grandmother never had cable. She still doesn't have it. So when she would keep us on the weekends, all I had was this Better Homes and Garden cookbook and some Southern Living magazines to entertain myself. So kind of built an interest in food from being at my grandmother's. And then also my stepdad was from Pine Hill, Alabama, which is a place that you probably have never heard of. Very, very, very small town, but really, really, really good cooking techniques that I was able to pick up from my stepdad, you know, learning how to make sauces and gravies. And that was my first introduction to food. My entrepreneurship I feel like my knack for entrepreneurship came from my mom. She owned a hair salon as I was growing up. She always worked for herself and she was very, very, very successful. And I did not want to be a hairstylist. I told my mom, I don't want to do this. So the weekends that I did spend at her hair salon because of my love for cooking at a very young age, about 11 or 12, I was selling like chicken fingers and hot dogs and things of that nature to just kind of make money so I can buy the things that I like. And I did not know that it would lead to this path. So it's, it's kind of funny and I don't want to kind of get ahead of what we're talking about. But when I think about where I am now at 41, food had been calling me my entire life. Right. And, you know, I kind of answered the call and things worked out. Absolutely. But all of that led me to becoming a chef with ideas and learning how to make food and want to know more, going to culinary school and really just answering my calling and passion for food, which is leads me to where I am now. You know, I get to cook every day and it doesn't feel like work. I kind of feel like I'm on this life project and I take the things that kind of come along, but it's been an amazing journey. So that's how I got started. That's great. And you've come a long way from selling chicken fingers in your mother's nail salon. <laughs> so let's talk about your professional endeavors now. I know you have Doughboy Pizza and Soku Kitchen in Alabama. So I want to hear a little bit more about Doughboy. How did you start that and where is it now? Doughboy is my restaurant of the future brainchild. It's my newest concept that I'm obsessed with. So a little bit over a year and a half ago, 
my developers and owners of my building in Birmingham asked me to do pizza. Like, hey, Erica, we've been looking for someone that can do a pizza concept for us. Is that something that you feel like you can do? And I said, you know what? I've been kind of researching things that are doing really, really well during the pandemic. Let me do some research and see what I can come up with. So I spent a very short period of time coming up with this pizza concept. I would say maybe 60 days. Hmm. During that time, of course, being a chef, right? You want to have like this huge wood fire oven and make the dough from scratch. Tried all of that. So I had a great sous chef. He came from an Italian restaurant, was really great at making dough. I had a pizza oven that was in my restaurant at Soku in Birmingham because it was an Italian restaurant prior. But I wanted to lease another space and bring in this amazing oven. You know, I'm doing research. I'm on Pinterest. I wanted to envision how this thing wants to look. And I go to my developer and say, hey, this is the oven that I want. Here's my plans for design. And she's like, "Uh, this is a historic building. (laughs) And that oven is too heavy. So that's not going to work. We're going to have to find something else. And I'm like, this is the only way I can do it. You know, I'm a chef. Like, I want this to be award-winning pizza. I want to win a James Beard Award for this pizza. It's going to be great. Exactly. So that didn't work out right. But at the time, though, I was extremely tired because as a lot of chefs, I'm sure you probably hear that when you're working really hard, food is long hours, a lot of preparation. I was very tired from soaking. Very physically demanding. It's physically demanding. And I'm just like, if I do this pizza concept, For this developer, it has to be something that's super easy because Soku takes up so much of my time in prep, managing the staff, growth, wanting to open up more restaurants. It has to be something that's super easy to run. Mm -hmm. And I have to take everything that I don't like about full service in Soku and apply it to fast, casual and quick service. So I started to build Doughboy out backwards and started to rethink what I wanted my dream restaurant to be. I wanted to be easy to run, use as much technology as possible and create a smart pizza concept. So I heard that the NRA show was coming back because we hadn't had it for a few years during the pandemic. And I was so excited. I was like, I got to go put this whole concept together at this show. It's an awesome show. And I spent two days in the technology pavilion. The first thing I wanted to do was kind of really kind of get rid of the need for a cashier because it's really hard to staff right now. You know, I talk to entrepreneurs all the time I was just talking to G Garvin over this weekend at Martha's Vineyard. And he was just saying, you know, man, what are you doing about staff? Like, it's really tough right now to find people. A lot of people have left the industry to do other things. And from restaurants closing, they've been kind of dispositioned. So I decided the first thing I wanted to do is really use technology to increase order accuracy, upsells. So we went with Toast self-ordering kiosk to build our platform. So everything is, you know, the customer puts in their order. You know, it goes back to our employees and they start to assemble these pies. The second thing is, unfortunately, I had to part ways with my sous chef that was making the dough. I said, man, if I have somebody that walks out the door that's making this dough, I don't have time to stop and travel and come back to make dough for this concept. So I partnered up with someone that I met at the NRA show as well. And I found a really good dough supplier. Not only were they an amazing dough supplier, they're one of my main partners in Doughboy now. They also supplied me with these ventless, really cool countertop ovens. Super small footprint. Everything's preset, 675 degrees. Great dough that they import from Italy that they have made in commissary. And I'm like, consistency is key. In full service, we work on every day on being consistent. It's very hard because the menu changes. So I'm like, all right, great. I have consistent dough. I have a great supplier that has distribution all over the U.S. and actually internationally as well. I have this technology provider where we can use these self-ordering kiosks. 
let's go to digital menus. I want to be able to change things in seconds. So I partnered with Radiant Technologies out in San Francisco. Great partner. They've come out with some new technology as well. I found out at the NRA show and they do our digital menus. So I literally start to take all of these people that are great at what they do to bring together my concept because I realize I'm just like, you know, I'm a chef. But there's a way that I can contribute to food and fast casual without having to touch every single plate. So Doughboy is about being a restaurant of the future. You know, we have to start thinking like that. COVID has taken place. We can't ignore that we've lived through a pandemic and the industry has changed. How do we adapt? And this was my way of adapting to pretty much the way the industry is now using smart technology, partnering up with great people, building an ecosystem of sustainability and efficiency and great supply chain. And now I've taken on more great partners inside of this concept that allows us to continue to grow. So that's what Doughboy is about. I call it the smart pizza shop, right? I actually went to a pizza show out in Vegas and I was just looking for new innovations. And to be honest with you, the pizza industry, we're not average pizza shop because it's all about great flavor, great taste, consistency, and being profitable. Our labor is between 10 and 15%. Okay. It's freaking amazing. Yep. It's amazing. Our dough cost is fixed. I'm always talking to our suppliers of how do we get this price down? But we get the same dough every time. It's perfect every time. And our franchisees don't have to worry about consistency or having to learn how to make dough. We open up our pizza shops 30 to 45 minutes before our open time. We literally have pie assemblers. So our customers are one tasting consistency. Our employees are happier because they have less work to do, right? They're just assembling pies, reading screens, and texting our customers when their orders are ready. So it makes everybody happy. Doughboy makes me happy. We have a great staff. And I'm able to focus now on building relationships within the industry. And I think it's like the next phase of my career is just like, how do I transition from a chef to being a leader in the industry that's going to impact not only myself, but other entrepreneurs through what I'm learning as a business owner. Right. And that's what Doughboy is about. It's about being a smart pizza concept, having fun with food and not saying, oh my God, you know, I just work a 16 hour day. I'm tired. I love this, but I'm tired. I want to be able to love food, but also have balance yep. and work smart and not hard. And that's really what my focus is with Doughboy. Yeah. And it sounds like you've really done a lot of work to automate a lot of the processes and make it very much plug and play. And I'm curious to hear more about the technology that you've utilized and also your experience at the show. But I want to know some more details about Doughboy. So how many franchises do you have right now and how many are in the works at the moment? So let's see. Today is, oh my God. Today is the 21st. So yesterday was our one year anniversary. Oh, happy anniversary to Doughboy. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. So Doughboy, thank you. Doughboy has been open now for a year and one day. Look at that. That's wonderful. Such an accomplishment for you. Thank you so much. I mean, when I look back, it's one of the things that I'm most proud of is our growth. We have been in business for one year and we have 15 stores opening. Okay. Two that are currently open in the next 30 days, around three of them will open. Fantastic. Because they, they're all under construction all across the nation. So working on finalizing our national deal with U.S. Foods, and they've been a great partner with us and really believe in what we're doing. But when I, probably about two months into being open, I'm like, man, this is really smart. This is really cool. Like, I really want to share this. And if you know me, to know me is that, hey, I'm an entrepreneur. I really 
you don't share something unless you're really confident that you figured out a great formula. And I'm just like, I have a great formula. I think this may be, you know, franchisable. For sure. So I went to my attorney and said, hey, I think I got one. (laughs) You know, I want to franchise this. And he's just like, he starts to talk to me about how this works and work on agreements. And I did a lot of research for about a month or so and figured out how to franchise and paid my attorney to come up with franchise documents and make sure that we're legal and compliant, which was really exciting, a different side of the business, right? And I just kind of put it out there in the universe. That's literally what I did. It's like, hey, Doughboy now franchising, right? My attorney grew Rock and Roll Sushi, which is a, a really cool sushi brand that started in Mobile, Alabama as well. And they were able to sell to a PE group and get some private equity and grow. So Ryan Cameron, he's a a popular radio host here in Atlanta, been doing radio for 30 years, million listeners every day. He comes into Soku Birmingham and we start to have a conversation about food. And he's like, Erica, what should I be investing? And I said, well, I got this really cool pizza project (laughs) over in the food hall. I'd love to show it to you. Yes. And he left obsessed with pizza and wanting to open up a pizza shop, which was really cool. About 60 days later, he was my first franchisee. And Ryan has been open for eight months now. So that's great. Four months into business, we had our first franchise and things just kind of took off after that. So most of my franchisees are family and friends that just believed. That's awesome. So talk about people that are just like, hey, I want to get into food, but I never knew how to get into it. And we know that you have a track record for success. Yep. You know, let's do it. So I've been able to round up 15 people that believe in me to open up stores. And again, just left Martha's Vineyard, had a conversation with a good friend of mine. And she's like, why did you name it Doughboy? And I was just like, you know, I really, you know, we're doing Neapolitan pizza and I really like these mafia movies. And I just thought that it was really cool to kind of take Neapolitan, Italian mafia and have fun. She was like, you never told me that piece of the story. Right. I said, really? She was like, I like mafia movies too. I I think I want to buy one. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> He's like, I like that too. And I, I didn't realize that, but I'd love to be a part of this journey with you. Yeah. Erica, this transitions me really nicely to my next question about when someone comes to you and says, hey, I want to open a Doughboy franchise. What does that process look like? You know, bird's eye view, give me the two to three minute overview. What does that look like for someone who, like you said, may not have any experience in food, but believes in you and just, yeah. you know, wants to get into a business? So, you know, Doughboy franchises are very uh, inexpensive to operate and start up. I opened up my first pizza store with $15,000. I know it sounds crazy. That is crazy. But I had a second, second generation space, right? I bought a upright freezer for the dough. The ovens, you get the ovens with our dough supplier. So I didn't have to pay for those. I paid a security deposit. With toast, same thing. You can finance, and a lot of people don't know this, you can finance your POS and pay for it over time, Mm -hmm. right? And the rest was just getting with suppliers to get open. Construction, I think I spent about $7,000. Found some really cool mobster art online and built like this really cool tile wall, fresh coat of paint. And we were done. The rest was, I think I spent maybe $1,500 on branding. Wow. But that is like, unheard of to spend $15,000 and get a pizza shop right? and get it open, generating cash flow, generating money, great pizza. 
So it kind of goes back to the process. I explain my process. I tell my story. We do a call every Tuesday for potentials that are interested in opening up Doughboy. So I do that every Tuesday at seven o'clock. I'm trying to work on automating it because we're growing so fast. I'm just like, if we're going to get from 15 to 100 stores, I have to automate some things. So we're working on automating these calls emails and automating the process and, and maybe having a few salespeople along the way that can kind of handhold a little bit. After we get off a call, if they're really interested, we offer them to come see Doughboy. So we'll either bring them down to Birmingham or we'll show Ryan's store and we show the operations. After that, we'll send over like a franchise disclosure document. I allow the franchisees, you have to allow them by law 14 days to take a look at it. So we just kind of have like this waiting period. And typically they just, if they're super interested, which is really not hard to sell a doughboy. It hasn't been like, I don't see myself as a salesperson, but I've been selling them. After that, they sign over documents, pay the franchise fee agreement. And what I have been doing, because I got my first 15, I go and visit every store and I literally help with construction, finding contractors, building out the store, artwork, where to position things. I'll sketch and lay out how their store should look because I don't really have like a huge team right now. I have a director of operations. I have my assistant and then I have myself. Yep. Our goal this year is to scale our C-suite, but stay as lean as possible as long as we can, right? And really be smart about this. We don't want to become like this huge corporation with offices everywhere just to seem like we're big. We want to adapt and use as much automation as possible, work smart, and really do a lot of things virtual with our franchisees. That's great. We have four stores opening up in Mobile in my hometown. So I'm there once every two weeks and I'll go walk each store. Atlanta, I walk those stores to see where they are and really give guidance. My assistant Monique helps out with that and my director of operations, Ken, he helps with that as well to kind of have great communication until we help them get stores open. And then we spend about two weeks on training in Birmingham After they train, I wait another three weeks to make sure that employees are trained and we're ready to open. And we have a great marketing team that's here in Atlanta. They start doing marketing, promo, Instagram ads, Facebook, TikToks, all of those great things to kind of get people in those stores and start driving traffic. And then they are open and off to making money. That's great. It sounds like you are very, very hands-on with this process, (laughs) which is great. Fantastic. Yeah. I was going to ask you about Soku Kitchen, but I want to stay on Doughboy here for just a second. Can you tell me a little bit more about how the National Restaurant Association show helped you to launch this business? Oh, my God. I I launched the entire concept based off of the NRA show. So I'm dependent of the National Restaurant Association. That show has real, I've really been able to take advantage and grow my businesses. Not only was I able to put the entire concept for Doughboy together at that show, I put my entire Steakhouse Soku Prime together and also started a lot of private label contracts because I I have a booth as well where I'm an exhibitor. Awesome. For my manufacturing company. But walking that show, typically what I do is we know in May, it's time to go to NRA. So all of the concepts that I have, like I'll kind of come out and map out things that I want to work on. And then I plan my route for the show. I'll wait till like the exhibitor list comes out and I plan every single day who I want to meet with, who I want to partner with. And then there's some things that you find that you're not looking for, right? Sure. But I knew the first thing that I had to do was find a pizza solution for Doughboy. And I was able to find that at the show by walking the Italy Pavilion. Got it. And then I did technology as well. So in walking those, I found my partners, I connected, got their information and my follow-up, as soon as I get back to my office or as soon as I'm back from Chicago, I'm on the phone 
showing that I'm serious because I want to be one of those first customers. It's like, hey, I met you at the show. Let's get it done. Yep. Let's go ahead and do my deal. So that's what I do. And literally the NRA show, I plan all of my concepts around what I find at that show. Great. So I go to the show to buy. I go to the show to do business. I go to the show to find out what's new and to learn. And that's what happened with Doughboy. I was able to find Radiant. I found my pizza supplier, which, you know, we're franchise. So, of course, I won't share the name of some of our stuff that's proprietary. And then, of course, I built a stronger partnership with Toast with their technology as well. We also found a supplier this year at the NRA show that's going to help us build an app for our franchisees. Mm -hmm. But it makes it so easy to do business. I took some classes. I was there for the keynote, you know, so I pull a lot of inspiration. But I really look forward to that one time of year where I can get away and learn more and connect at the show. So not only have I been able to do Doughboy, but I've been able to work on some other concepts at the show as well. That's great. When you talk about connection, it makes me think about the mentors and the resources that have helped you along the way. So tell me about a special mentor that has helped you along the way and how you've learned from them. Oh, man. So biggest mentor that really played an impact and giving me a shot with food is a chef by the name of Shockley Diggs. He lives in Mobile, Alabama, and he actually gifted me my first restaurant. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So I was doing food pop ups, had just finished culinary school and just wanted to kind of travel and cook and have these dinner parties put out on Facebook. Hey, I'm coming to my hometown. I want to cook 400 people RSVP. They were ready to spend money and try my food. And that's crazy for one day. I did all of this in one day. For 400 people. Wow. For 400 people. I did not have a place to hold the event. So I reached out to the chef in Mobile that I had read about. His name was Shockley. And he's like, hey, you know, I have a vacant restaurant. You can rent that from me. I think he maybe charged me like 300 bucks. Wow. For the day. Beautiful restaurant. The restaurant is now Soku Southern Kitchen and Oyster Bar. Oh, goodness. That's awesome. So he told me, he was like, man, you got all of these people here. How did you do it? I said, well, social media. He said, well, do you want a restaurant? I said, of course I do. He was like, well, let me mentor you. And he mentored me for about eight months, worked through three different business plans. He didn't like the first two concepts. It's not going to work for Mobile. It's not going to work for this community. You need something that's familiar with the twist if you want this to work. I've tried it before. It didn't work for me. And I really listened to him and his feedback. I mean, I had this lobster and champagne concept. It was a little too over the top. It wasn't going to work for the community. He said, Erica, you need to find something that Mobile is missing and give it to the people and it will work every time. There you go. So I went back to the name, the concept, and he loved it. We talked about cost, expenses, power, water, utilities, labor, what the percentages should be. And he said, you know, you submit me this business plan, I'll introduce you to the landlord. And he did after about eight months and they loved the business plan and they were very picky about who they put inside of that building. So they offered me a lease and he said, well, since you got the lease, I'll give you all the furniture and equipment inside. And we went over across the street to the attorney's office. He gave me a $10 bill of sale and said, hey, it's yours. So half a million dollars worth of equipment and furniture he gifted to me. Wow. Which was amazing. And Shockley was instrumental in me finding my chef, sure. building a management team. There's nothing that I can ask him for even now, close to four years later, that he would not give me. Great guy. And he just felt like, hey, it's time for me to pay it forward to somebody and I want to pay it forward to you. You seem very serious. Yep. I like what you're doing. And he has really, really, really made a major impact. He gave me a shot. And food, when you're doing your first concept, 
Nobody believes every landlord wants to see a proven track record because they want their rent. They want you to be successful. And we know that a lot of restaurants close within the first year. Some close within the first five years. So Shockley had to put his stamp on me and say, hey, she's good. Right. And he paid it forward and believed in me. And since then, I've helped a lot of entrepreneurs launch their restaurants as well and continue to pay it forward. So it's almost like this ripple effect, like, hey, well, let me mentor you and let me help you. Someone did it for me. It's a cycle. He is absolutely outstanding. Now in Mobile, we have, again, four Doughboys opening. We have Soku. And then we also have a Soku Express in the regional airport there. Oh, wonderful. A partnership with the Hudson Group. So that's been really, really cool as well. But he definitely played a role in my career. Great. He sounds like a very, very special person that I know will be a friend of yours for life. Yeah, absolutely. What piece of advice would you give to a budding entrepreneur in the restaurant industry? What have you learned that you would like to pass along to others? That food isn't the most important thing. You know, it's great to have good food, right? You know, I started this as a passion project. I can cook. Well, there's a lot of people that can cook and there's a lot of chefs, but you really have to understand how to run a business. And I feel like now I've kind of transitioned from, I'm still a chef, but more so a businesswoman because you have to understand labor. You need to understand fixed costs. You have to understand food costs. You have to know how to talk to vendors and negotiate pricing. You need to learn how to reconcile invoices and be able to pull P&Ls on a weekly basis, not a monthly basis. If you're running a month behind, you've already lost. You don't know where to kind of change and adjust. Mm -hmm. So really understanding the business. When you compose a dish for a restaurant and you put a menu together, you don't just write the menu and say, this is what I'm going to use. You have to write the menu and understand how much this chicken is going to cost me. What's the plate cost? And then now what's my overhead? And let me add that into the price of the dish. And then you have to have a recipe that you can follow and consistently give direction. So there's so many different components. So, I mean, my first piece of advice is learning the business and what it takes to run a successful restaurant. The second piece is never give up and be relentless. I think being in the restaurant industry is like the ultimate hustle. You have to work hard every day and you have to be built for it. And what separates restaurants that stay open for 100 years or 50 years, I feel like, is the passion and understanding the why. Why are you starting this? Why are you doing this? And five years later or 10 years later, are you going to remember that why? Because there's going to be moments where things are like tough. Customers are relentless. Hey, I didn't like my dish. You might be a little emotional about it and you might not like that feedback, but you can't quit. And with restaurants, you have to put a lot on the line. It's like, are you willing to risk it all for this concept? Because they're going to ask for it. Your landlord is going to want a personal guarantee. Your food supplier is going to want a personal guarantee when you're getting started. They're going to ask you to write your name on this, that if things hit the fan, they want their money. And are you willing to really do that? If you're not willing to do it, to risk it all, because I've had to do it, risk it all. I've put millions of dollars into my ventures and I've had to say, hey, here's my personal financial statement and here's what you can have if I can't pay you. Right. Are you willing to risk it all? And if you're not, you might not need to open a restaurant. I'm not saying you can't do a blog or a magazine or have a food product. There's other things you can do. But for a restaurant, you have to be willing to put your entire name on it. Are you willing to do that? And remember those whys. Because again, the past four years, there's been times where I'm just like, why am I doing this? This was a hard day or this was a hard week or this was a tough dinner service. Like this was like the worst dinner service ever. Right. We got this one-star review. Everybody's gotten a one-star review. You've had an upset customer. They're going to give you a one or a five. (laughs) You hardly ever get anything in between. Right. 
what does redemption look like for you? You know, so you have to kind of like pump yourself up and redeem yourself for the next service or the next customer and say, you know what? I'm not going to let this one customer define my brand, but I'm going to take that feedback and I'm going to become the best at what I do. How do I become the best hospitality company? And you have to be prepared to do that and you have to be relentless because this will pull every emotion that you have in your body out of you. Owning a restaurant will do that. It will. It will. Erica, it's been such a pleasure to have you here today. So in closing, what can we expect next from you? What's coming down the pike? What's not coming down the pike maybe is a better question. (laughs) You have a lot going on, I know. I know it's a lot going on. And sometimes I say maybe I should slow down and then these opportunities come. So I just kind of like, why not? You only get to live once. But next concept is my steakhouse. Anybody that knows me knows that I love beef. I love steak. I love steakhouses. So Soku Prime is by far my biggest project. It'll be situated here in Atlanta. Two and a half million dollar build out. It's the most money that I've ever spent. It's a lot. Challenges me every day. But I feel like it's the next level of my career to be able to focus on excellent dining experiences and building great teams. I've been able to call in a lot of people that are great at what they do from all around the world to come and work on this project with me and be a part of a great team. And we just want to build a great steakhouse with a great culture. Um, With Doughboy, my goal is I would love to get to 100 stores and sell more franchises over the next 18 months and really grow it into a huge national brand. I would love to see Doughboy become a national brand and be a pizza shop of the future and one of preference that is chef-driven with quality in the fast casual sector. So I'm working on that all day today, that in the steakhouse. But this is what I do. But I am so very fortunate to be in the food industry and have an opportunity to break into it and do what I'm doing. So for every customer, and again, the National Restaurant Association is, the show is one of my favorite places to be. And you guys are just absolutely amazing, like for giving uh, restaurateurs and people that are in food service an opportunity to have a platform and have resources to pull from when it can be lonely as an independent restaurateur, resources to grow and to thrive. So thank you for that. Of course. The show is something that we're very, very proud of and so thrilled that you've found such value in it over the past few years. So absolutely. I depend on it. (laughs) Very good. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. You have a lot going on and we will be keeping an eye on Soku Prime as well as Doughboy and your other concepts. And we're wishing you all the very best and waiting to see those thrive. Thank you. Thank you so much. Such an honor. And I had a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. The National Restaurant Association's latest resource, Always Ready Fire, delivers best practices for what to do in advance of, during, and after should your restaurant experience a fire. Pre-planning and advanced training have a huge impact on keeping everyone safe and the ability of your business to recover quickly. Always Ready Fire is the second in the Always Ready Emergency Preparedness Series from the National Restaurant Association. To download your copy of this valuable resource, visit the link in today's show notes. Thanks so much for listening to Order Up, the podcast from the National Restaurant Association. Follow us on your favorite podcast player and find out more at restaurant.org slash podcasts. Episode produced by Dante32.